beauty should be better. You know, it's an industry, it's products that are made for women, and they should be really truly serving women in the community on every level, whether that's from ingredients doing good things for your body, to protecting the environment and the place where we all live, to even just the imagery that you see and having that imagery be really empowering and supportive. Thank you for tuning in as Out of Office presents Work From Home, a mini-series. In light of the global pandemic, we decided to go off script and manifest a mini-series to bring insight, perspective, and positivity as we adapt to a new meaning behind the phrase Work From Home. We are navigating this global social situation as you are, and we hope through this, we can navigate it together. Today, we're working from home with Lainey Crowell, the founder and CEO of Say, the clean beauty brand dedicated to making high-performing makeup that's good for you and the environment. Prior to launching Say, Lainey worked at top fashion and media companies such as Elle, L Accessories, Lucky, and Gucci, before becoming Estee Lauder's first executive director of digital communications. Lainey went on to found the online editorial platform The Moment with a single goal in mind, to chat. She quickly learned that clean beauty was a particularly popular yet frustrating topic of conversation amongst the women in the open discussions that were had, and decided to do something about it. Hi, Lainey. Hi. How are you feeling? I'm feeling okay. How are you? I'm good. We are obviously still working from home in New York, so I'm curious, what does your work from home office look like for you and your team? Has that changed throughout quarantine or has it kind of remained the same? How is it for you guys? So everything has obviously totally changed for us. I think, you know, we, we actually work out of the same office space that you guys do and in New York City. And since quarantining and working from home, we've had a huge shift where Pretty much my whole New York team has decided to move to LA. And so we are getting rid of our office space in New York and we're looking for office space in LA. Oh, wow. Yep. So I'm going to be working remotely from my team in New York and um, spending a couple months out of, out of the year in LA. Wow. That is a big, a, a big adjustment like now. Everyone just was like, you know what? Like now's the time. Let's just change stuff up. And half of my team was already in LA. So when mm. everyone else was like, I want to move there too. I was like, okay, go for it. I get it. Wow. So you were already kind of doing the bi-coastal team situation. It's just now more will move over there. Yep, Exactly. How has it been for you guys kind of operating remote with like check-ins and and keeping business as usual as possible? Well, I think, I mean, as I just mentioned, like we were already, you know, divided and remote and we were super Mm -hmm. used to just picking up the phone all the time. And in so many ways, I think we're a lot closer now than we were before um, because, you just have to be jumping on the phone and you're hearing people's dogs in the background and their kids or whatever else is happening in their life. And there's, there's definitely been like a little bit of a, um, opening of the kimono in the sense that like, you know, everyone just has access to each other's homes and 
when we do our Google Hangout at the end of the day as a team, you know, you're seen into people's houses. It's in some ways it's been really cool like that. Yeah, we felt that way in terms of communication also for us. I mean, we were at Spring Place every day and we were surprised that we felt our communication was stronger when we same. all were remote. Yeah. Even though we were all sitting at the same table. Isn't that so interesting? It's so funny. Yeah, I feel much closer to my team now. So before jumping in, I would love to hear what initially led you to launch the clean beauty brand, say. Was this kind of a long time coming from the idea to the actual manifestation or what was this journey like? You know, I'd worked at Estee Lauder for five years. I've always been a beauty lover. When I left, I I left with this, you know, big overarching idea that beauty should be better, that, you know, it's an industry, it's products that are made for women and they should be really truly serving um, women in the community on every level, whether that's from, you know, ingredients doing good things for your body to um, protecting the environment and the place where we all live, um, to even just the imagery that you see and having that imagery be really empowering and supportive. So when I left, that was this you know, big idea that I had, I didn't really know how it was going to materialize. But um, after starting my blog that was dedicated towards this idea of better beauty, I had people sending me product from the day we launched the site. And very quickly, I was getting, you know, up to 10 boxes a day of product to review. And I had created a beauty closet in my apartment. And one night I went looking for makeup and there wasn't any. And that was the start of it all. You know, I went on Instagram that night and just started asking my community, you know, why is there no makeup? What would you want if you could make something? What is working? Um, You know, that's where the name of the brand comes from, say. It was from my community saying what they wanted. And, um, And that was why we launched mascara first. I mean, I think I had like 200 DMs saying, mascara, mascara, mascara. And we took two years to develop our mascara, um, which is why it's, you know, the formula is so incredible and is such a bestseller. Um, But that was, that was the starting point of it all. Like when you had the idea to start this brand, was mascara kind of the immediate idea married to the, to the initial idea, or was that kind of a longer process? It was definitely a longer process. When I had that initial conversation with my community, I was pregnant. And, you know, I find when I'm pregnant, I'm really creative. And, you know, you're, I'm just, your, your body's creating, your mind's creating. And so I had this, this vision. And I actually found my journal from four days before I gave birth. And I wrote in my journal that I was going to start working on this idea and this kind of proposal for this idea. And then when I had Isabella, um, you know, she was my first and I really couldn't do anything other than just become a mom. I was super mm-hmm. overwhelmed by it. It was really time consuming. I was tired. My, um, And so it took about six months after I had Isabella before I could start working on it again. 
And then it took another two years after that. So it was a process for sure. And I think Mm -hmm. really even there was even a moment where I thought, well, maybe the only thing we're going to make is mascara. And then through all my research and conversations and focus groups and community outreach, that was when I really saw this vision for this brand, including, you know, the the pillar of price point and everything. All of our products are under $25. Um, we're primarily direct to consumer. So we're able to have these incredibly luxe and sophisticated products at this direct to consumer price. And I'm a very visual person. I love fashion. Um, you know, and I, it was important to me. And I heard this from the community as well that the brand be aspirational and chic and something that you're proud to have in your makeup bag. When I brought on my product developer or head of product development, I should say, um, Sarah Tallman, who we'd worked together at Estee Lauder, the minute we started talking, I realized that together we were going to make a a full brand, not just one product. In taking those two years to develop the perfect clean mascara, did you find that it was more difficult than you imagined or easier? Because I feel that there's a common perception when people ask, well, why isn't everything clean at this point? Or why are these big beauty brands, you know, not going in the direction of clean? And then there's kind of this you know, veil as if, well, it's very difficult. Yeah. So do you, in your experience, do you feel that it was very difficult or even more difficult than you imagined to develop this? Or it's something that really with some time brands can, can adapt to? Oh, it's definitely more difficult than I ever thought. Uh, (laughs) My Sarah, she calls it the, the Olympics of product development. She's, it's, our clean list is very strict you know, we said from the onset, if we were going to do this, we were going to do it right. We weren't Mm -hmm. going to clean wash or green wash anything. And so our no list is really strict. Um, On that list is we don't use any petroleum or petroleum derived ingredients, and we don't use any silicone, silicones, in addition to to over 2000 other ingredients. But those two that I just mentioned are ingredients that clean brands use all the time. And, um, you know, they're kind of just like slipping through the cracks. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we morally couldn't include those in our products. And they're really hard. It's really hard to develop products without them. It's like saying you're going to bake without flour or sugar. And so, you know, we start lots of product development um, where we just can't, we abandon it because we just can't get to mm-hmm. where we want to get because in addition to us to being really clean, our goal is to have products that anyone would want to use, whether they're interested in mm-hmm. clean or not. The difficulty is to find the space between clean and results-driven or high-performance product And I feel what you guys have done so well with what you've released thus far is that they're clean products, but they really do work. You know, you see the results. It's as if if it wasn't, you know, marketed as clean or if somebody didn't read into it, you actually wouldn't really even think otherwise because it performs so well. Well, that's the goal. So that makes me so happy to hear (laughs) that. 
I would say, you know, the flip side to everything that I just said is that when you're developing a clean product, you're infusing it with really beautiful ingredients. So while it's more difficult, you end up with such a superior product that has skincare benefits. I mean, they're true hybrids. And what I've found um, is that my skin has gotten so much better. You know, when I was using um, traditional products or conventional products, whatever you want to call them, department store products, my skin was horrible um, because there were so many ingredients in those products that were cheap ingredients, shortcuts, um, you know, ingredients that were just bad for me. And um, so even though it's more difficult to create the products, you end up with such a superior product in the end. So during this period in particular, the landscape has been changing a lot. Yes. Um, How have you adopted as a brand or how have you adapted as a new brand, not only to COVID-19 in the initial stages of the pandemic, especially, but also to the Black Lives Matter movement? I'll talk about COVID first, because, you know, that was the initial thing that happened this year. You know, because we're a small brand, we are able to be really nimble. So right off the bat, we um, were able to develop a hand sanitizer, which is a beautiful formula. It smells great. It's really cute to take out of your bag. And we offer that. That comes for free in every single box that we send. It's just a gift with purchase to help, you know, people feel good and smile when they open our box. Because as a brand, it's like, well, what else do we stand for other than just makeup? And, you know, customer service is a huge part of that, making, helping people feel good, which is why we launched, um, our Keep Glowing series as well, which was just all around this idea of like, okay, we're stuck at home. The world is scary right now. Um, we've, I mean, no one's emotionally been confronted with something like a pandemic like this. Um, so what can we be putting out there? And we said to ourselves, okay, you know what? We're a content company now but we're just going to completely revamp all the content that we're putting out there, um, rethink all of our platforms. And it was actually a really um, invigorating time when I look back on it because we it just like shook stuff up and we got really creative. Um, you know, the last three weeks with Black Lives Matter since the this movement has really become front of mind for everyone. I think, you know, personally, I, um, I really just felt the most comfortable, like listening and learning and initially, you know, the first thing we did was, okay, how can we help? And we made, um, what for us was a, a very sizable donation as a small brand, um, or, you know, for us was a big donation to, um, two charities that really spoke to us in terms of identifying like immediate needs and then also long-term needs, um, donating to Fair Fight, which is Stacey Abrams' organization um, that's helped fighting voter suppression, and, and also um, a bunch of other charities. And then since then, you know, we're just 
you know, looking at everything. It's been such a thought provoking time. It really has. I think in looking at this year, <laughs> kind of as an umbrella, um, you know, in no way kind of merging what's happening or lumping it together. But when you really take a step back, I think it's really forcing people and brands to just become more intentional yeah. with everything they do from what they say to what they put out there to how they help to who they engage. And I think it started with the pandemic. I think you saw so many brands speaking to what matters because we reached a point where people didn't want to see the ordinary content or the regular messaging. People were scared and they were looking for something bigger. And I think that's just continued. And I think that that's it's not a trend. I think it's something that will stay throughout brands and and people, especially in the social realm of really putting intention behind what you're creating. Yeah, I think intention is such a is such the perfect word. You know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the whole reason why we I launched say was with this idea of beauty being better. And I think intention just fits so perfectly into that um, that goal. Yeah, absolutely. How have you approached launching new products to your line while in quarantine? You have teams who were close to you and maybe now remote. How, what has this process been like? And you also have just launched really great gloss. So I would love to talk about that and kind of what that developmental process and launch process was like in quarantine. So as I mentioned, we had to get really creative. Um, and it, we ended up, um, with a launch that was so great. Um, and we had to find new partners. I mean, the hardest part for us was supply chain, right? So, Mm um, you know, everything was delayed, like things coming from California were delayed to California. <laughs> like everything, you know, it was a, it was just a constant all day long, every day try, problem solving. Um, and I recently listened to a podcast um, that I, I listened to religiously called How I Built This. And they had an episode on there with the founder um, who's actually a restaurateur. But my favorite quote of his was that, Um, you know, business is constant problem solving, you know, all businesses is actually just a series of problem solving moments. And so you better enjoy problem solving because if you don't, you're going to be really miserable as a founder. And I think I'm, I put it, I, I consciously try to really enjoy problem solving, um, but even just hearing that on the podcast, I was like, oh, yes, that's exactly what I've been reminding myself of over and over again of like, you know, you could look at a new launch during COVID as like a huge headache, or you could look at it as like kind of a really fun problem solving moment. And how we problem solved really great gloss was we were like, okay, what can we create that will be um you know, like bringing an event to life because we can't have an event that we can send to people. And so we produced our own zine 
full of content all around the gloss. It was called the Juicy Zine. It had how-tos. It had a juice recipe. It had a playlist. It had, um, we had a bunch of people do photo shoots on their own to like, for content. It was so cool. Um, I got so many messages from people being like, I hope you do this for every launch now. <laughs> um, and then we matched each one of our glosses to a juice, a fresh cold pressed juice. We had insulated bags created and then we worked with a company to deliver them all throughout LA um, to our friends and influencers and contributors. And it ended up feeling so big and great, even though we couldn't do any of the things that we had originally planned. Um, and the great thing about all of our products is that they're, they are hybrids. So our gloss is an exfoliator first, then a hydrator, then a plumper. And then I think, you know, the icing on the cake is the fact that it's this really, they have five really great shades. So it is makeup, but it is a treatment too. So, um, you know, it, it still worked for all of us being in quarantine and, um, yeah, people are loving it. Why was this product next for you guys? What was the idea behind coming out with this one? So all of our products come from our community. So the same way that our, you know, the brand name um, and mascara and everything came from that initial Instagram conversation, we have a private Facebook group with, I think, like 800 people in it. And, um, we go to them all the time asking like, well, what do you want to see next? Um, we get them product, we have focus groups, um, we test all of our shade ranges with them. So gloss was something that was one of the first things that they had mentioned that they wanted this, mm. you know, a lot of people have allergies to petroleum actually, and pretty much every gloss on the market is full of petroleum. So it was a petroleum-free gloss. And then Sarah, who's a genius at product development, she was like, okay, but now how do we take it to the next level? Which I think is the question we always ask ourselves. Because, you know, our community will be like, we want X, Y, Z. And we're like, okay. And then we go back and we, you know, bring our big beauty lens to it, which is how do we take it to the next level? How do we make it totally unique and better than anything out there? So that was how it came to be. Someone said it on, um, it's called the Clean Beauty Crew on Facebook. I love how really since the very beginning, you have involved a community behind you really helping to kind of direct and, and grow this brand with you. It's very inspiring. Oh, I love hearing that. We um we actually just sent an email today um out to everybody on our newsletter list just reminding them about the Facebook group and I think we got like 500 new people who joined today, so it's perfect timing to talk about it. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for working from home with me, Lainey. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining my conversation with Lainey. You can follow her on Instagram at Lainey and her brand at Say Beauty. Thanks again for tuning in to Work From Home, the mini-series. Hit subscribe to keep up with us, and of course, rate or share with a friend.
out of office is not just a conversation with our guests. It's also a conversation with you. Send us your career questions to hotline at buybaba.com and we'll answer them in our upcoming episodes. This podcast was produced by Tinka Media and music was brought to you by Blue Dot Sessions. <laughs>